what could stop you? If God be for me, who could be against me? Huh? If God be for us, who could be against us? Hallelujah. You know that, huh? You know God is yeah. for you. Amen. I'm telling you, that's, that's exciting. That's good stuff. Get you all stirred up and fired up for what God's about to do in your life. Amen. It's okay. It's okay to get your hopes up. It's okay to believe that God will do something big in your life. It's okay to have faith for the impossible. It's all right, because that's who God is. He's the God of the impossible. So you may have come today and thought, man, I don't know about all this. It's all right. You'll know before it's over. It's good stuff. God is for you today. He's not against you. He hadn't done a bunch of horrible things in your life. He hadn't tried to destroy you. He hadn't done, hadn't done any of that kind of stuff. God is for you. We just sang it. If God be for us, who can stand against us? Don't stop. Don't stop believing. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we love you. We worship you. And we thank you for this day and this time we have together. We thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you that it is true. That we believe it, Father, with all of our hearts. That you're, you're growing us and taking us into who you would want us to become. I thank you, Father, that you give us courage and boldness and strength. Father, to live the life that you've, you've created us to live. That in this earth, Father, you will be glorified through our lives. Father, the ability to come through difficult decisions and difficult times, Father, unscathed because your spirit is with us. That you lead us, you guide us, and you direct us. We thank you for your word today, Father. I thank you for your anointing, that it is here in this place, that it's in the house, that it resides in the lives of each one, Father, who believes your name today. And we thank you, Father, that it is the anointing of God that breaks the yoke and sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Huh? It's good stuff, huh? Give the Lord a hand. You may be seated. I just want to share a little bit with you today as we, as we uh, conclude. I know last week we kind of concluded, but that was just, you know, when you're preaching, you get more than one conclusion. So that was just kind of a, a, a partial conclusion, maybe, for the things that, that uh, we want to share. I want to start just a little bit today and, and just, just end up, just, just finish. It, we're going to three services in this church. Praise God. Good stuff. Amen. That's excellent. Uh, we're headed that direction. I'm telling you, that, that's, a, that's exciting. Because here's the deal. As God expands us in this church, it's because he's expanding you in your life. Amen. And for three weeks, if you haven't been with us, anybody visiting with us? I missed the hands. Anybody not been here before? Just a guest? We'd like to welcome you. Good. It's good to have you, man. Good to see you. Good to have you with us. Praise God. Great stuff. We've been talking about a book written by Stephen Furtick called The Sun Stands Still. And it's about the prayer that Joshua prayed. As he was going into the battle and, and, and the enemies were coming against him. And uh, he began, he began to, to proclaim what really truly God had told him. That not one person would escape from them. That he would have the, the, the faith to believe. That he would say the prayer that would, that would allow the sun to stand still. That it wouldn't move until all the things that God had promised him and showed him were taken care of in this battle. Which was all the people would be annihilated in that place. And we spent the last three weeks talking about believing, and we've talked about being in position and being in place. We've talked about praying for the impossible, that the things that come out of our mouth line up with his word and his will. The fact that we have the power to move mountains in our tongue, as it says in Mark chapter 11, that if any man speaks to the mountain and says, be ye cast into the sea, be you removed from me, be you out of my way as I go forward in Christ, that that mountain will be removed and cast into the sea if we don't doubt in our hearts, if we believe. And goes on and later says, if you do not doubt but you believe, you will have those things that you ask or the things that you pray. And that we pray according to the word of God and we pray according to the will of God in our life. We have to be able to push through. We have to be able, you know, it says in, in Joshua chap, chapter, uh, 
chapter 10, that as, as, as Joshua was coming into that place where he was about to see the sun stand still and see things happen, he had to march all night. We need to put legs to our prayer. We need to give, give, give works to our faith. It says faith without works is dead. That's in James. And so in our life, as, as we trust God and as we follow after him, we have to realize that really, truly, the actions, the things that we do in our life, the things that go on, those are the things, really, truly, that prove out our faith. We can say that we believe. We can say, yes, I, I agree with you, Pastor John. I agree with the word. But if we don't live the word in our life, then really, truly, we can memorize it, man. We can quote it. We, we, can, we can believe that our neighbor knows it. And, and we can say, you know what, but Pastor John's living. I mean, I go to that church and Pastor John's living by faith. I, you know, you can do all those kind of things. But if you don't live it for yourself, if I don't live it for myself, it says in James, then, then, then it's dead. Faith without works is dead. There's a second part to that. Not just a believing it, but a doing it and a living it. And I believe that as God took us through these three weeks and as he, as he brought us through that place, he's going to show himself faithful in our life. Today we're going to talk just a little bit about expanding our vision, expanding our, our, our thoughts and expanding our, our faith in, in this life to the point I think you can extend your faith, you can expand who you are as a believer, you can expand it to the point where you trust and know that God is faithful. I think sometimes we start to believe something and something happens in our life and then we, we don't turn our back on God, but we just don't think that's going to ever happen. And you know, many people have said to us, don't get your hopes up, that might not go down the right way. No, 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 no. God is faithful. Get your hopes up. Because without faith or without hope, it's impossible to have faith. And God acts and responds and works in our lives by faith. So in our lives, we have to have hope. Get your hopes up. Trust God. It is possible. He does love you, and he knows where you are. In this church, we're going to go to three services. Start at 8.30. We're going to be done with the first service at 9.40. We'll get 20 minutes to change the parking lot out. Then we'll start at 10 o'clock, and we'll go to 11.10. Then we'll take 20 minutes, and we'll clear the parking lot out. Then we'll come in here at 11.30, and we'll go to 12.40. I know a lot of people say, well, 11.30, that's late. Nope, it's only 10 minutes later than what we've been getting at anyway. God's worked this around, so this is all going to come out okay. And what it does really truly for us in this church is it gives us a little elbow room. It gives us a little chance to grow, a little chance to expand. First service, my daughter was standing down here next to me, and she knows I don't necessarily like people to touch me. I got a lot of issues. You're finding them all out. You know, y'all sitting in different seats on purpose now trying to mess me up. I noticed like Steve Thaw's last service, he was sitting over here in the middle just smiling at me and his seat's right here empty where he normally sits. And I just said, he's doing it on purpose. I know he was. He came up, gave me a shake my hand after service and just testing you. I said, well, I'll work on it. Before service, first service, I was positioned in the pulpit right so it was in the right spot. <laughs> the other thing is I don't like to be touched. So don't all, all you chase up here and hug me after service. It's not that. It's like when I'm trying to worship, I don't like to be banged around. Right? I mean, come on, Danielle. Isn't that right? I mean, amen. You know, it's just like, I'm trying to worship God. And I'm getting hit and I don't want to raise. You know, I don't look goofy when I raise my hands like this when I'm praising God. It's not because I'm shy. It's because if I lift them up, I either get hit by my mother or my wife on both hands because I'm getting beat down all over the place. We need some elbow room. You know, I like to have a little bit of room when I, when I worship because you never know what I might do. And, uh, I accuse everybody else of being, you know, they're rockers, man. They're rockers and turners and twisters. It's kind of hard to do that when we're all packed in and bunched in like this. So I'm going to expand a little bit. It's going to be all right. It's good. 
It might shake some of your worlds. It might, it's going to shake everybody's world. It's shaking my world. It's shaking your world. I mean, we all have to change. And you used to come to church at 11 o'clock. You might have to come at 10 or 11.30 or whatever you have in your heart to do. But, but it's gonna, there's a little bit of change as you go forward. There, there's a little bit of, uh, that you're going to have to get through. We talked about it when we talked about being in position for the impossible. We said when God begins to move you, salvation is free. It's a free gift. But the obedience that follows that can be a little costly. And in Joshua, in chapter, in chapter 5, he began to talk to them about the circumcision and the, the sacrifice that came with moving into the new thing that God had. And so we're going we're gonna to keep growing. We're going to keep going. We're going to sacrifice a little bit as we do. But I want you to turn to 2 Kings in chapter 6. And I just want to read this to you today out of the Message Bible. And uh, it's a little bit of my heart, you know, what God has been, been, been put in my heart. We've been praying for this for years. We've been praying for, for years. That, and we, you guys are all part of God's working in this ministry over the last 22 years. It's not like things just start today. This thing's been going on for more than 22 years, continue to go on for another 22 and keep going and growing. So it's not like this is all brand new. This is just starting to see, you know, the next step. What's behind door number two or door number three or door number four that God's taking you through? And what I want to encourage you with today as we read these next couple scriptures, don't just focus on the fact that in this church we're going to three services and the elbow room and the expanding your tent and vision. For yourself in your life, begin to see that it's possible to do that. Now, we've been through three weeks where we've been pretty encouraged. We've been pretty pumped up. But I wanna, don't, don't stop now on Sunday, the fourth week, because you didn't see what happened in the first three weeks. See, we, sometimes we get a little discouraged, and we didn't see it happen yet. I was talking to somebody in the first service, and they came up and reminded me of a testimony that they had years ago when they were really in debt. And God told them to pile all their bills up on the kitchen table. And he told them to march around the table for seven days, march around one day, a little Joshua and Jericho type thing. This was years ago. And you know what? They, I mean, this is just the two of them. This is a husband and a wife in their kitchen with nobody else around. And they, 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 she, be, she began to say, God, you know, I know that, that's really, that sounds really silly. Not like go out in your neighborhood and march around the block and call your block saved. See, I mean, that, you know, my God may be speaking that to you. You know, to go out and do that, march around a building seven times, a house seven times, and say, this is God's property, this is our house. This was like in their kitchen. And she said, boy, that's awful. I feel awfully foolish doing that. Well, you've got to rise up. And so she said she did it for the seven days. And on the seventh day, they went around seven times. And then God told them, shout, piled their bills up all on the, on the table, and walked around them and did all that. And so they looked at each other and just, they were obedient. How many of you know obedience is better than sacrifice? Let's be obedient. And so they shouted over their bills. And two years later, they were paid. <laughs> See, two years later, they were out of debt. Two years later, a big chunk of change came in the mail, and they were able to pay all those things off. But it was two years later. Who knows what they were marching around? See, who knows what God was doing in the heavenlies? When they shouted, their table didn't fall over, and the bills all disappear. But in the heavenlies, something was put. See, in the heavenlies, maybe that began to, to break something that was holding us. Maybe it was something they had to do in their life. Two years later, then they were out of debt. Now they can see how many of you got a now I can look back and see that God was faithful. Don't get frustrated in the time that you marched around the table and two years later till you've seen it happen. I'm working on a message for later sometime here in the next month or two. Holy frustration. Batman. <laughs> 
How is, you know, how do you get from when God tells you to the end? You know, and dealing with the frustration that comes in those moments and in those times. Because I believe this isn't just true for our church. I believe this is true for each one of us. That in your lives, you're about to see the greatness of God expand. But we won't be able to see the goodness of God, the greatness of God expand in our life unless we can expand our faith. And it says in 2 Kings chapter 6, in the Message Bible, and it's on the screen if you don't have the message, you can follow along, it's pretty close. It says, one day the guild of prophets came to Elijah and said, you, you can see that this place where we're living under your leadership is getting cramped. I didn't pick this out because we're going to three services. It was just a scripture that came to me as we were going to three services, and God showed it to me, and it made me encouraged, because how many of you know, there's lots of opportunity to be discouraged. The day we announced it, and the day that the next week, there was a hundred, the day that God told me to go to three services that we're going to do it on the 25th of March, yay, praise God, there were 440 people here. The next week when I said it, there were 340 people here. So there are opportunities to be discouraged all the time, but you can't be discouraged. Had I not seen 440, I might not have had the faith to say, okay, God, let's do it. <laughs> you never know what God is doing and what's happening in the heavenlies as you step forth. But he goes on and he says, we're cramped. We have no elbow room. So immediately I said, I see you, Elijah. I'm with you, brother. A man needs some elbow room when he praises the Lord. And they said, let us all go down to the river. Let us all go down to the Jordan where each of us will get a log and we'll build a roomier place. And then Elijah said, go ahead. Then one of them said, please come along with us. And he said, most certainly. So he went down with them. They came to the Jordan and they started chopping down trees. You have his permission to believe. You have God's permission to act. You have God's permission to move. You have God's permission to dream. You have God's permission to have big vision. You have God's permission to reach the people in your sphere of influence. You have God's permission. He's given it to you. Matthew 28 says, this is Jesus speaking, not just Elijah, the man of God, giving those people the permission to go out and to expand, but I am telling you today, Jesus has given us permission to go out and to expand. In this church, sure, yes. But in your life, Matthew 28 says, go into all the world and preach the word of God. Go into all the world, he says, and make disciples. Go into all the world and lay hands on the sick, they'll be recovered. Go into all the world and set the captives free. Go into all the world. Go, 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 go. And in that moment of the Great Commission, he gave us permission to go out and do that. And then not just permission, in this case, Elijah also went with them, right? He took off and he said, I'll come with you. So not only do you just have permission, now you have his presence. And at the end of that particular chapter in Matthew 28, Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age, I'm going with you. He's given us permission and he's given us his presence. And then later on in John, as he begins to share in a different book, he says, I am going to give you power. How is that? By, by giving you and sending the Holy Spirit in my place. That when I go to be with the Father, there's going to be a transfer. I can't be here in this earth to be the power of God Almighty on the dirt and on the clay, but I can go and sit with my Father and I can send you the Holy Spirit. And you will be filled with power and the same anointing that I have on this earth. So now we have His per permission, His presence, and His power to expand and to grow. See, it says, it says go make disciples of all nations. What do you think that means? That means you're expanding. 
It's not just you anymore. There's others with you. See, and these, these prophets all came, the guild of the prophets came to Elisha and said, we got to grow, man. We got we no room in the house. All right, well, let's go grow. Not just grow here with three services, but let's go grow in our own homes. Let's go, let's go allow God to build another room in our heart, like Pastor Pam shared about on Wednesday night. Now, what that, what that entails, what that, what that means to us is that we're going to have to increase our faith. You won't grow into a bigger place unless you do what these scriptures go down to the creek and start cutting some logs by faith, whatever that means to you. If you go to Isaiah in chapter 54, we'll look at it again. Now, these are great problems. God wants to do something bigger in your life than he's done. That's a good problem to have. See, he wants to do something in your life that's like the next level or the next step of faith. That's good news. Would you want a God who was taking you to smaller things? Would we want to serve a God who was, who was taking us to a place of less? God takes us to a, to a greater place every time. He takes us to a new ground and a new place. As we grow in this church, it's a great problem that we had 24 third graders next, or, or sorry, three-year-olds next door. Now, that was not a good problem for the people over there, I'm sure. But there were 24 little ones last week running around over here in the three-year-old room. In our family, we have one three-year-old, my niece Molly, and it takes everybody to keep track of her. God gave her to Laura and Joe late in life, so there was plenty of help. Got Daniel and Rachel and Grandma and Grandpa and aunts and uncles and, and brothers and cousins and everybody else, and everybody has to keep track of one. There's 24 of them over there. And they can climb, and they can do stuff, and they're smart. <laughs> they outthink you, you get confused, and you don't know what you're doing, and then you've lost them. So you don't know what's going on. That's a good problem to have. That's, that's, a, that's growth. In your house, think about this. You got, you got more money than you, know what God, you even know what to do with. You got to seek God. Not, God, what do I do with all of this? That's a good problem to have. That's high-class problems. And you may say, man, that's not me. Well, start giving. Start giving. Start trusting God. Expand your vision. Expand your faith. Expand yourself out. Know that God is faithful. That he, it says that there is an abundance for every good work. An abundance. Not just a little bit. Not just enough to scrape by, but an abundance. Begin to see it. It'll, it'll change who you are and what's going on. Now look at Isaiah 54. It says this. In the Message Bible again. Sing barren women. Oh, sing barren women who have never had a baby. Fill the air with song. You who've never experienced childbirth. Now that's difficult to do. If you're a woman and your heart is to have babies, if you're a woman and your heart is to nurture and to take care of and to do those things, yet you're barren and you can't have a baby, how difficult is that then in that moment and in that time to sing? To cry out in praise to the Lord it takes faith. And what the Lord is speaking, what he is saying is, hey, you need to get your eyes off what you are, who you are right now in this situation. Now begin to sing to me. Why? Because I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that hurt away. I'm going to take that pain away. And shortly, if you'll enlarge, if you'll expand, if you'll change your vocabulary, if you'll change what you're believing and thinking, if you'll change what you're doing in this earth, then you'll begin to see things come to pass in your life that will fill that void, that will take care of that thing that was going on. He says, sing. 
You're ending up with far... Now listen, here's the, here's the last part of that verse. You're ending up with far more children than those childbearing women. God says so. And then he speaks here in Isaiah and says, Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. I give you permission today to do this. To do this in your house. To be, to be, now, some of you are like, oh, I don't know about that. What's that mean? It means open up your mouth and begin to speak God's blessing and God's abundance. Well, I don't see that. You don't see it first with your eyes and then get in agreement and speak it out of your mouth. You see it by faith and get in agreement and begin to speak it out of your mouth. Then you will see it with your eyes. We said in the beginning of this series, as we started, we said for us to see the impossible, we must first see the invisible. If the impossible is going to change in our life and become possible, we have to be the ones who can see the invisible. What does that mean? It means I walk by faith and not by sight. And that by faith, I begin to wrap my mind around it. By faith, I begin to see it in the Spirit. And I can proclaim it, and I begin to speak it. It says in the Word that you speak those things that are not as if they were. And in, in Hebrews 11.3, in Hebrews 11.3, it's a scripture that says that we, and I'll come back to Isaiah here in just a second, but in Hebrews 11.3, it says the worlds were formed by the very words of God. That as he spoke, those words were so creative. We talked about it last year in January. It, it was the creative power of the Holy Spirit. Then when he spoke those things, the creative power of the Holy Spirit went into being and made all the things. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be earth, and there was earth. Let there be animals, there were animals. All the things that he spoke. And it says in Hebrews eleven three that those things that became, those things that happened, the things that he created were made from things that weren't visible. So God, now if we say that we're going to see the impossible in our life, we have to see the invisible, God himself was the same way. That when he created the world, there was nothing there. And he made the world, he made everything in it out of something that was invisible. And so if he has to see the invisible and speak those things into existence, then how are we any different than him? We have his word. We have things to stand on. We have things to trust, yes. But we have to trust that he is faithful to do those things in our life. That as we see the invisible and begin to speak the impossible, he begins to make it possible. It says, clear lots of ground for your tent. Make large tents. Spread it out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of what? Elbow room for your growing family. Oh, praise God, good stuff. Not in the church. Now think about your house. You're going to need lots of elbow room. You're going to, you're going to need, you've got a lot going on. You're going to be so, so full of all of God's goodness and the things that he wants to do in your life. You're going to need some elbow. We've got to get it. We've got to expand. Don't let the enemy push you into your house and then push you into a room and then push you into your closet and then push you into some shoebox. Because the devil wants everything to be small, 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 smaller, 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 smaller. But God is about the reverse. Take it out of the shoebox, fill the closet. Take it out of the closet, fill your room. Take it out of your room, fill your house. Take it out of your house, fill your neighborhood. God is about taking things that were small now and expanding and enlarging. That's what we've talked about 
in this book for three weeks. Don't get your dauber down if something didn't happen this week. We said when we left last week, go home and pray. Begin to pray for 15 minutes for what you got, what God told you, what he showed you, what you wrote down, whatever those things were that are stirring on the inside. Go home, begin to pray for 15 minutes. Begin to to proclaim them. Begin to speak those things into existence. Begin to speak those things that aren't as if they were. Next week when we talk and we we share, we're going to talk a little bit as we head into Easter about he knows my name. And we're going to write down some names of some folks who we know in our life need Jesus who we know in our life need to see their life just turned around. Maybe they knew him once and they went somewhere else, and man, now they just they got to come back to Christ. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a child of yours or, or a parent or whatever it might be. Maybe it's just a friend. Maybe it's somebody you know at work. We're going to write those names down, and we're going to begin to proclaim that God's word is true and that, he, that God himself, I'm the, the God of, of, of all heaven and earth, he cares about each and every one of us, and he cares about those people who you write down on that piece of paper. And he, he, he wills in his heart. He, in, in his, he doesn't want anybody to perish. Right. And so we're going to get in an agreement with him. That's going to expand your faith because you're believing for more than just you now. And then what we're going to do is we're going to start rejoicing because testimonies, man, people are gonna, things are going to start happening. People are going to start getting saved. Why? Because God's word's true, and he is faithful. He is faithful and just to perform his word. It's not my job to make the work. It's not my job to set, to set people free. It's not my job to, to make them a new creature in Christ. That's his job. My job is to be John, to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit to use and to do how, whatever he's got going on, to believe that God is faithful, that my life consists of more than what I can touch and feel and see right now. Same thing as you. And then as we begin to expand that vision, begin to expand our faith, begin to expand our thinking, begin to expand our speaking, doing what this says. See, it goes on and it says, you're going to take over whole nations, you're going to resettle abandoned cities. That's you, that's me. It says, don't be what? Afraid. Why does he say that? Because the first thing when God begins to tell us is, man, what happens if it doesn't happen? So you begin to write people's names down. You begin to like, man, I don't know if I want to put this because, man, they really can't get saved. I don't think it's possible. They are so bad. I, I don't even know. I don't even, I mean, I know Jesus died for all of us, but I, maybe not this one. You know, I mean, <laughs> they've tried and they've messed up like 47 times. It's not any good. I, I don't know. No, that one. Especially that one. Especially, why? Because that's an abandoned city. And he says right here, you're going to inhabit those abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. What did that girl say, that lady say? She said, we marched around the table. I really was, I was like, it was a little embarrassing. I felt really weird. I said, this is really strange. I don't, I don't, don't be afraid. You won't be embarrassed. Don't hold back, it says. You're not going to come up short. You'll forget all, you'll forget all about the humiliations of your youth and the indignities of being a widow will fade from your memory. He's going to replace the hurt. He's going to replace the mess. He's going to imp- replace your mistakes with what? With his goodness. And you won't even remember those things anymore. Have you heard somebody talking about you and you go, man, that was me. I used to be like that. They're telling you about how bad somebody was and how awful they were, and you've totally forgot that was you. Daniela, you've probably forgot a whole bunch of stuff that you did that, you know, it's probably, 
It'll come out somewhere along the way. You'll run into somebody, and they'll begin to talk to you, and you're like, man, hey, hold on a minute. There's hope for you. I used to be like that. But see, it is so far from who you are today. Why? Because you expanded your vision. You expanded your faith. You stretched out your tent stakes. You went down to the creek, started cutting logs, and said, okay, God, I don't want to be that guy anymore. I don't want to be next month who I am today. I don't want to be next year who I am today. I want to be, I want to be more of who God wants me to be. Expand, expand, expand. Joshua 1, 4. Sorry, 1 through 1, 1, chapter 1, 1 through 4. He says to Josh, now look, this is just going to be the third story of the same verse. Okay, Elisha, he told him, let's go down and cut some logs then. They said, it's too tight in here. It's too cramped. I'm telling you today, by faith, expand. Expand. Well, I just went through three weeks of reading that book, and I'm okay. I mean, I, I did expand. Expand some more. Well, all you do is ask for more. I don't ask for more. God does But he says to Joshua here, after the servant, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass the word of the Lord was spoken to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I had said to Moses. He continues, God continues to go back to a place that he said with Abraham, that he said with Moses. Why does he do that? Because Josh, Joshua has to believe the word that he promised way back at the beginning is going to be fulfilled today. See, we, we, we like to think that it's going to happen, you know, tomorrow if we're going to do this. this. This word of going into the promised land was postponed for a while and took a long time to come to pass. From the time that he spoke it to Abraham to the time that Joshua and the children of Israel went across there, that was a big number of years. This lady marched around her table seven times, and she screamed, and her husband screamed, and they shouted unto the Lord, and it was two years before they ever saw those debts taken care of. They continued to plug away and plot away and pay the bills and do what they can and follow God's word, but it was two years before it happened. But each day the enemy told them that it was never going to happen. What did they have to stand on? The word that God said, go around that table seven times, and I went around seven times, God, so I know you're going to come through. Right. At that point, they went around seven times and screamed. They enlarged their tent. They enlarged their faith. As God spoke to Joshua, he said, it's time to go. Get up. Get yourselves together, and you're going over into the promised land. And then he tells them in verse 4, from the wilderness of, the Le of Lebanon, and as far as the great river, the, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the, and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. What did he tell them? From way, way over there to way, way over there to way, way over there to way, way over here, all that's going to be y'alls. Now, you're going to get up because you're all crunched over here on this other side of the river. Y'all ain't got no elbow room. You ain't got nothing going on. And it's time to get up now and it's time to move. And we're going to go where? We're going to go into a place where there's plenty of room for us to expand. Not just in this church, right? But in your life. Think about it this way. You're, you're camped. Think about it. You're camped on one side of the river. You're about to go over into that promised land, into a bigger place. See, his faithfulness will cause you to move forward because you're drawn and feeding on what? His faithfulness. Psalms, chapter 37, feed on his faithfulness and you will have the desires of your heart. Feed on his faith. Whose faithfulness? His. He is faithful. He actually goes on and he tells Joshua in verse 5, 
No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'll be faithful to you, son. See, he's saying today, I'll be faithful. Now, for some of you, it might mean who knows what, man. Maybe it is like a physical structure. Maybe now you're going to believe for a bigger house. Maybe, maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a healing in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's something else that's going down. Maybe somebody else, nobody else knows about, but, man, on the inside of you, maybe it's a people thing for you. Maybe it is like, man, give me five. I want to write down my five names, man, because I, I got five names right now. I'm a believer for souls. I'm calling them into the kingdom of God. That's where I'm going to expand. Not just taking your piece of paper and saying, okay, God, here's my five names. Knock yourself out. But it's about taking those five names that, that we'll write down next week. And it's about, it's about speaking God's word or speaking those things that aren't as if they were. And speaking God's wisdom and his word and his will into the life of the person on that piece of paper. I'm going to be a participant, God, in what you're doing. If they come across my path, I'm going to sow seeds of life. If they don't come across my path, I'm going to sow seeds of life. Either way, I'm speaking. That's expanding. That's expanding. And here's what you face when you begin to do all this. Fear. (laughs) See, for all those times in Joshua in chapter 1, God continued to tell him, be strong and of good courage. Four times. If you include the people telling him too. See, because the people told him in the end. And Joshua, at the end in Joshua chapter 1, the people said, be strong and of good courage. They probably saw his face. (laughs) Everybody gather together. We're going to go across that river. Oh, boy. (laughs) And they rose up, and they encouraged him and said, Be strong and of good courage. You can do it. And if you go back and look in Deuteronomy, it was said three other times. Be strong and of good courage. Why? Because fear will come against you. The enemy will come against you. He'll begin to steal and twist things. He'll try try to take you out. He'll try to maneuver stuff. He'll try to let you know that it's never going to happen. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what comes against you. I don't care how many defeats you went through. I don't care what's been going. I am telling you, if God said it, if he promised you, if he told you to expand it, if he told you to think it, if he told you to believe it, if he told you to get it out your mouth and begin to talk about it like it's real, then do it. If I go, if I perish, Esther said, I perish, but I cannot go another day without getting before that king and letting this cause be made known. Push through the door. That's what you did, right, Taryn? I mean, it's just a a single mom, three kids. Man, you got, let's all move to Cincinnati. Oh boy. I just started getting stuff together now. See, you just started bringing me to a place. Expand your vision. Expand your tent. God's provided for you up to now. He's got, he's got you where you needed to be, and he's going to take care of all the things that you have need of in that next place because he's the one who said, hey, 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 come on. Can you expand a little bit with me here? And it's, it's, it, I'm telling you, he'll end up with all the glory. He's faithful. But don't let fear stop you. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.7. In the Amplified. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, cowardice, craven and cringing and fawning fear but he has given us a spirit of power of love of calm and well-balanced mind it goes on and says and discipline and self-control but let's look at well-balanced mind say well-balanced well-balanced mind that says i'm not over here one minute down here the next you are not wishy-washy God didn't create you to be wishy-washy. Don't be wishy-washy. 
He didn't create you to be up one minute and down the next. He didn't create you to be all manic one way and all depressed the next way. That's not how he says well-balanced mind. See, since you don't have a spirit of fear, you have a well-balanced mind. So then if you're up one moment, down the next, all over the place, you're over here, down there, oh, just, and you're wearing people down, you're wearing yourself down, and everybody's like, man, whoa, wow. Maybe fear has entered in. And maybe the first thing you need to speak out of your mouth is I bind fear and anxiety in my life. The devil will come against you. He'll come against me. He'll come against all of us. And we have an opportunity when fear presents itself to either lean into faith, lean into the word, lean into who he is, and it will dissipate fear in our life, or we lean into the fear and it destroys faith. We all face it. I'm telling you. Every day you go about your business, begin to proclaim that you're going to expand and you're going to grow. Fear will come against you, but fear cannot stop you if you remain in faith. But you have to make that choice, and I have to make that choice. Fear in itself, listen to this, fear in itself is a flesh finder. Because when fear comes, and if you entertain it, you know if you're entertaining it because you think about you. I can't do that. I don't have enough for that. I don't see how that could happen. I don't have the education. I've got too much of a past. I have too many problems. I've failed too many times before. See, that's when fear begins to present itself. Who do you begin to think about? Me. But if you respond in faith, if you lean into faith and not fear, you begin to realize and remind the enemy who God is. Because he comes with you the same fear, but you make the choice instead to say, but my God is able. But my God promised me. But God showed me. But here is my vision. And it says in Habakkuk that I am to run with this vision because he gave it to me. And he will be the one who brings it to pass. And I am in this moment, I am speaking and proclaiming and believing the word to be true. And I will wait for it to happen. And if I never see it happen, I won't stop believing it's going to happen. Regardless of what I face, regardless of what comes against me, I believe that this is true. That if God has given me this thought, if he's given me this purpose, if he's given me this plan, then he will give me the ability to see it through till the end, no matter what comes against me. Because he's faithful. He's faithful. Last year in January, on the 23rd, they had a service here. It was the first service that I ever, ever shared or spoke or preached, I guess, as the pastor of the church. Pastors Pam and Bill installed Elizabeth and I as the pastors then. And the message that God gave me for that day was, I believe that God is faithful. And that message didn't, didn't, didn't just pop out of the blue. We've lived it. You've lived it in your life. You know that it's true that God is faithful. The devil will tell you he's not. The devil will he'll get you focused on you and your stuff and what you don't have. But I am telling you what, God's word focuses on him and his goodness and what he has. And you will realize if you'll take a moment and get rid of fear and step into faith and begin to expand your vision that God has been very faithful. He's been faithful to you. Oh, I haven't seen all those. You haven't seen them all yet, but you'll see them all. I began to preach and share about I believe that God is faithful. And then today I know, I know that it's true that God is faithful. Hebrews eleven twenty three says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope because he who promised is faithful. 
See, the Bible is full. This church is full of stories of God's goodness and his faithfulness. I mean, the whole, you look around, man. You don't know who you're sitting next to. They were probably some wild hooker, drug addict, prisoner. <laughs> Male or female. You don't know, man. Y'all clean up well. <laughs> but that's, man, God's good, right? I mean, God's good. You don't know how many times Todd has come up to me all nervous. What's the matter, Todd? I used to fight that guy over there. Well, you ain't going to fight him today, are you? I mean, it, it, let me know. He's, no, 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 I think it's all right. We're, we're good, but I, we, I used to beat him up all the time. Well, go apologize. Let him know God loves him. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> you don't know who you're sick. Man, we, this whole church is full of God's faithfulness. Take it. Thank God we're not who we used to be. I mean, we, we're, we're expanding and changing in who we are, but thank God we ain't who we used to be. Right, Israel? I know you were perfect from the day you grew. You came out of the womb. You were just the best guy ever. <laughs> I married you. I know that isn't true. Well, I married like them, but not like <laughs> It ain't that kind of church. You know, I, I married them, so I know the story. Ah. But the Bible is, right? I mean, God was faithful, Adam. You say, oh, I screwed up. Well, Adam and Eve screwed up. They introduced sin into the world. I don't think you've done that. You've done some bad stuff, but that was the first really bad one. But God was faithful. Set him outside the garden, took care of him, clothed him, and... and then he began to talk about this promise that he has. He began to put a plan in place. And his faithfulness, see, would go from Abraham through Moses, through Joshua. David would come onto the scene and God would begin to put a plan in motion that, that through the seed of David would come Jesus. The ultimate fulfillment of all of his true faithfulness in bringing his son into the world to die for our sins so that we could all be saved and be a part of his family. And then not only did he stop with Jesus, then he sent the Holy Spirit. See, now he's got you in place and he's got you in position. And he says, let's just expand this thing a little bit and let's go forward. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. When the devil tells you he's not faithful, when the devil tells you God's not going to do it, when the devil tells you it could never happen, that's when you need to get a little bit of tenacity and say, oh, oh, oh good thing's about to change. Mm. Yeah, yeah, keep telling me it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Come on, tell me some more. I'll tell you how good God is. See, something rises up on the inside of you. You say, well, I'm not like that. Expand yourself. You don't have to have some old long prayer, but have some tenacity. You won't be just like me. You won't act just like me. I'm about half crazy most of the time. <laughs> it's all right. You love me, so it's all good. But trust God. You're trusting in man. You're trusting in your spouse. Your trust has to be in God. You have to know that he's faithful. He's faithful. Faithful for you, for your kids, for your family, for what he's called you to do. He's faithful where he's taken you from. He's faithful to get you where you're going. Expand yourself. Rest and trust his faithfulness. We stand on the foundation of the word so when the storm comes, it shakes us. We don't go anywhere. Why? Because we know God's word is true and he is faithful. He's faithful. Well, I've been standing a long time. Keep standing. What's the, what's the alternative? I've been fighting for a long time. Well, don't put your hands down. You're going to get hit. Keep them up. Hit first and hit a lot. 
You know me, that was my mantra. If things got, got, got spooky, things got scary, I started swinging. I was little. I just hit first, asked questions later, and kept hitting until it was all over. Right? The devil's got to think you're crazier than he is. I mean, you ought to, you ought to be so out there, up, up just wild about faith and the things you're speaking and the sword you're swinging that the devil says, nah, that guy's crazy. <laughs> Tiptoe around you. Why? Because you've expanded. You've expanded. And you ain't going back to that little room no more. I'm coming out. Huh? Don't leave nothing in the closet. There's no way to say that that sounds right, but you know what I mean. Don't leave any junk in there. Now, I say that, you know, it's a little funny, but, but here's the thing. Sometimes we put good stuff in there, too. People talk about the skeletons in your closet, and we, 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 we say those are, those are negative. We always, we always have a connotation that says the skeletons in your closet must be negative. What if there's something that God gave you to breathe life into? See, what if there's something that God, God put into your heart, but you just got disappointed or discouraged along the way? You lost faith that it could happen. And so it went in your closet. Well, that would become a skeleton too. But get the good ones out and breathe life into them. Okay? Get the bad ones out. Toss them in the trash. Get them out of your house. The life of God's on the inside of you. His faithfulness. He's faithful for you and he's, faith, he's faithful in you. And he will perform the work that he has started in your life. He will complete it. He will bring it to pass. Don't lose sight of his faithfulness and expand your vision. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.